0: Welcome to Mint, a unique look into how the creators of today are building the communities of tomorrow by harnessing the power of Web3. I'm your host, Adam Levy, and let's kick off this episode by giving some love to our three NFT sponsors. They are Coinvise, Poop, and Social Stack. First off, on Coinvise, you can create a personal or community-owned social token on Ethereum. Coinvise also helps you create incentives through token rewards and bounties. NFT business models, and bot integrations for Discord. Discover more by visiting coinvise.co today. Next up, we have po or short for Proof of Attendance Protocol, who enables a novel way of creating one's life diary. Leveraging NFT technology, po facilitates an easy way to mint non-fungible tokens related to meaningful events. It's frequently used in crypto-native communities, and now it's starting to create NFT collectors in the mainstream too. Collect or launch your own POAP today by visiting POAP.xyz. Next up, we have Socialstack, a platform for communities, brands, and creators to build mission-driven social token economies, offering an easy to use non-custodial wallet with a suite of open source community engagement tools. Socialstack makes it simple to bring your community into Web3 and be a part of creating an open source, gratitude-driven future for social tokens. Create a free social token wallet, discover mission driven social token communities, or apply to launch your own token on SocialStack by visiting socialstack.co today. This episode welcomes the president of Vayner NFT, Avery Akanini. She leads the company's mission to build long term strategic NFT projects for the world's leading intellectual property owners, serving brands, celebrities, athletes and associations looking to incentivize and reward brand advocacy and customer loyalty. In this episode, we talk about corporates entering the NFT space, big brands issuing token-gated communities, the biggest questions that big corps have around NFTs, the future of influencer marketing and brand collabs, the future relationship between tokenized creators and big corporations, and so much more. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Avery. Welcome to Mint. How are you doing?
1: I am great. Thank you so much for having me here, Adam. I'm excited to be with you on your podcast today.
0: You got it. I'm excited to have you on. You guys are making a lot of noise at Vayner NFT, let alone with be friends and Gary himself and the whole entire division that you guys pushed out from your sheer excitement of pushing the space forward. So let's just dive right in. Okay. Tell me about yourself. What were you doing before crypto? And like what are you doing now? Let's start yeah. There.
1: Awesome. So I'm originally from Nashville, Tennessee, uh, southeast part of the United States, music city, um, amazing place to grow up. And I moved to California for university and I loved it there. I thought it was amazing. I started my career in marketing at Target Corporate where I worked in the Southern California division. And after that, had this incredible opportunity 2011 to go work at Google. Um, which was a major like dream job for me at the time. And I learned so much and stayed there for like seven years. Um, and during the course of my time at Google, we ha- launched a bunch of awesome products, um, a bunch of amazing campaigns on um, the company grew and grew and grew. And I also ran like kind of came in touch with the Vayner team and Gary and I was really impressed with what they were doing, so much so that I jumped um, from Google to join Vayner, which was a little bit of a crazy thing at the time, but ultimately was a really uh, exciting move for me. And I've been at Vayner for about four years, working on our helping to lead our media team. I moved to uh, Singapore to open our Asia Pacific offices, and then I just came back here um, in July uh, to open up our Vayner NFT practice. Um, I'm currently in Miami, but we're we're all over this. All over the United States um, for Vayner NFT.
0: Nice. So how is it jumping from Google, like an insane corporation with thousands upon thousands upon thousands of employees, to well, how big was Vayner when you joined? How many people was it?
1: Uh several hundred. So it was okay. still a, a medium-sized company, but going from a company that had, you know, hundreds of thousands to hundreds was a big adjustment just in yeah. terms of, you know how we like the operationalization at Google versus kind of being more of a, an emerging company was really different. But one thing that I loved, and this is something that, you know, everyone decides for themselves, but for me, I was really interested in being in a place where your work, um, every person really matters. Like every person's work sort of shapes the future of the company in a much more dramatic way. When you're working at a smaller size company, um, you get better access to executive leadership. You, you know can really see uh see what your work is building to in a really direct fashion which is awesome and at google it's just such a big place and like you know it's billions of dollars like per second basically and it's a it's a bit of a different ball game so i really appreciated the ability to um take on sort of a more direct uh role like where, where you see pretty fast impact
0: right right when you when you pivoted into vayner what were some of like, I guess the biggest shockers moving from such a big corporation to, I wouldn't call it boutique, but Gary himself was such a powerhouse, right? And still is at that time. Moving from that end to that end, like what was that transition like?
1: Well, everybody thought it was crazy. Um, Especially since, you know, when your brand side, it's often perceived to be like the good side of it and going agency side is not very common for brand people. Um, So everyone was like, whoa, are you serious? But I was really excited about it um, and excited to learn. I think that's one thing that you really get in an agency and and the way that Gary runs Vayner is so like fundamentally hugely different from how other agencies operate. And I was excited about that. Um, so I think a, a lot of people like might have questioned that decision because um, I was going from a really stable thing to, you know, still a relatively unknown company um, at the time, certainly it's nowhere near the, Vayner is nowhere near the size and the scale of Google yet. Um, But uh, I knew it was the the right decision for me and I um, appreciated the opportunity to learn from people um, who were really at the time, um, Vayner was known to be experts in the social media space. It's a place that Gary had stakes a lot of his career. Um, he really built his personal brand on social media on YouTube, on Twitter, on Instagram. And then we were helping um our clients, um who were mostly enterprise brands, build the sort of their social presence. So I wanted to learn about social. I wanted to get like really hands- on with it and kind of learn from the best of the best as it related to social media.
0: You know one thing that I love about. Uh gary's story particularly just because we're talking about gary is he's the type of person that experiments on on the personal level before scaling it to other people he verifies and proves that he can do it and he's the example of that and then makes the example for other people and we saw that with social media and now we saw that with nfts and that insane campaign that he did with be friends and now starting vayner nft and doing that for others and taking those learnings taking those principles and applying it to mainstream corporations or whatever the, the, the customers at, at the end of the day right so I guess my next question too, is like, why NFTs for you? Like, what is it about the medium of NFTs that gets you fired up?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. And Adam, I appreciate that. You can just see, like, you can read our strategy, like a book, right? Like it's the same way that, you know, we put Gary on TikTok first, then we start doing it for brands. Like, you know, that's kind of our rinse and repeat formula is using Gary as our first test case to make sure we understand the medium before we go and, and, you know, help other brands do the same thing. Um, And I think that level of practitionership is really rare when you um, look at the professional services ecosystem, you know, consultants and most ad agencies, they're not like doing it themselves, like putting their money where their job is. And I think that's helped us stand out. Um, But for me, it's a good question. So I've been investing, you know, on a personal level in uh, crypto for many years. I lived in San Francisco for quite a long time and it was pretty normal. And I remember the sort of first um, boom of Bitcoin being an exciting time. And, and obviously that, you know, goes in, that ebbs and flows, but I'd been personally interested in that. Um, and I remember, you know, in maybe 2017, my friend first telling me about Ethereum and how that was going to be like the next big thing. Um, and he was definitely right. So shout out to this guy, Oren Barak. And, and yeah, so I, I was a little bit interested in that. And um, I think NFTs uh, was more of, it's more like reading the the consumer adoption cycle. Um, I think we've seen this type of thing happen before many times in web one and web two, and it's happening for web three. And if any of your, your listeners are familiar with this sort of like market adoption curve, it kind of goes like this and it starts, you know, like there, there's the early minority, then you get into early adopters and there's the early majority, the late majority, and then it gets into the laggards. Right. And you can see a lot of this like fundamental tech setup is happening now for there to be a really massive um, shift in the way that consumers um, use the internet, right? Um, NFTs, I think are just one part of Web3. We called it Vayner because we think it's a big part and we think, you know, it's, it's something that people can understand people understand collectibles that's what start it's kind of started yeah. with collectibles, um but this is going to be much bigger than just collectible nfts um and i think yeah. i how i got into it was um i started talking to gary about nfts like almost a year ago now when when he was first kicking around the concept for be friends and creating a community around his values and, and his doodles um but uh more importantly than that was just understanding like where, like seeing this, seeing all of the the variables in place that I think are going to drive a huge um, consumer uh, trend. And I saw that before, like I mentioned, I worked at Google and when I started working there in 2011, like it wasn't like everyone Googled everything. Like it was still like, this was a startup and this was a new thing. And, you know, right. people would say like, oh, like, you know they they didn't believe in it the same way that you do now um even email like gmail was like a new thing like which now of course it's so prevalent it's just mm-hmm. so everywhere um but i think i had done a good job of sort of understanding that's where things were headed and i started to see how google was building something and that's why i wanted to be a part of it and then um you know google made an acquisition of a company called DoubleClick uh in in sort of the late 20 uh, teens and i was on that team as well um, and it it was all about programmatic media which is basically just like uh using machine learning and ai to automate a lot of like manual tasks so i went to Mm -hmm. that i saw that as being a huge like um change in the way that people bought media and to do it more transparently and more fairly and all these things um and then when i am then i wanted to go do social media because i thought that was also another thing that was like really changing which is why i joined vayner and now I say this with NFTs. So I think you know, in my career, I've really tried to understand where um, consumer adoption is going um, as it relates to sort of consumer technology, and and then hopefully be a you know catch the right train at the right time and see if I can help contribute yeah. in my small way um, to being part of something that fundamentally makes people's lives better.
0: Yeah, talk to me a bit about the branches at Vayner. So there's Vayner Media, there's Vayner NFTs. What else is there? Vayner fill in the blank.
1: Yeah. So there's VaynerX is our kind of holding company right. for all Vayner companies. And Gary himself has other companies outside of VaynerX, which could be like a Resi where Gary's the co-founder or Empathy Blinds um, that Gary is also a co-founder in. So Gary himself is probably the CEO of like a hundred businesses, but a lot of them are in VaynerX. Um, VaynerX is very heavily VaynerMedia in terms of just like a number of staff um, perspective. But we also have a company called Gallery Media Group, which does um, publishing. So we have a you know site called Pure Wow or 1:37 PM that are are focused on um, sort of lifestyle content. Uh, some focus on women, some focus on on male content. Um, so there's Gallery Media Group. You also have Vayner Productions, um, which is a production studio. We have a huge studio in Long Island City um, where we help you know shoot commercials and and have directors and doing so yeah. we- editing and all that stuff. So more of a traditional production house. Then we have um, Vayner speakers, which is an amazing group of uh, you
0: know, speakers. And, and, and the only reason I, I, I jump into that is because Vayner is, is like the one stop destination, right? Like there's all these different branches and Gary's like really good at jumping on these trends and realizing what's important and making the example of himself before licensing it or whatever, like scaling it, you know, to many other people. And now that Vayner like NFT is just another branch of that, but it's such a core component. All these other branches I feel like fit into this greater vision of what's to come. You know what I mean? I'm- and 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 I see this like when a brand comes to you guys and like, all right, what's our media strategy? Well, the media strategy comprises many things. It's not just media, it's also production, it's also this and it's also NFTs now. And you guys have all those vehicles under one wheelhouse.
1: That's exactly right. Yeah. We, yeah. we, like we can do uh, many different things in house, everything from, we have Vayner talent to Vayner speakers, to Vayner productions, to Vayner media. Um, where, yeah, we, we want to be the one stop shop, um, for modern, um, modern marketers and modern communications.
0: Yeah. I guess, uh, like the, the, the problem that you guys are set to solve that Vayner NFT. What is that? What is that exactly? Like what's missing in the world that Vayner is like. This is where we come into place.
1: Yeah, I think there's no other like NFT consultancy that, that does what we're doing. Um, to my knowledge, I think we're the first NFT agency. I'm sure there's going to be a lot, but we're probably the first mover. What you see in the NFT space is there's a lot of um, technology solutions. So it's like you can work with Dapper on what they've built, or you could work with Bitsky on what they've built, or you can work with OpenSea um, and just mint directly there, or you can work with um, Nameless on what they've built. Um, but there isn't a consultancy that exists today outside of Vayner whose role is solely to focus on helping intellectual property owners navigate the world of NFTs. It's just mm-hmm. too new. So, you know, the the more traditional consultancies and, and advertising agencies and marketing firms haven't yet de- like dedicated a practice just to helping this happen. I'm sure that they will, but I think what we the role we play is really that strategic partner to help um, Help understand what's the right tech stack, what's the right strategy, what's the right launch, what's the right creative. Bring all that stuff together um, for for awesome NFT you know projects that are built not just for today and not as part of a marketing effort, but really as as an NFT program that's designed to be successful not just in in forty days, but in forty years.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that that makes a lot of sense. At Vayner, how do you guys kind of define Web three? What does that look like from your point of view?
1: It's a great question. And, you know, I think that what it looks like right now, like connect your wall in the top right hand side, is just like that's, you know, so or let's little, yeah. little, tiny yeah. part of it. That's what it looks like today. Um, what that's going to look like in the future is authenticating your access um, in various ways, much more blockchain enabled than it is now. I think with the fundamental principles of decentralization being much more prevalent than they are in today's sort of Web2 world, which is pretty centralized. Um, can't predict exactly what Web three is going to look like, but we see a huge right. future, like you know, a huge future. Probably not in the next year, but in the next few years around metaverse. I think there's a lot that can happen with AR that still hasn't happened. It's such a, it's really cool, but so few people use it right now that it's just not even mainstream enough to like really, yeah. really drive any like massive behavior shifts. Um, but yeah, I, I think that the, you know, crypto is going to be a big part of it. Blockchain is going to be a big part of it. NFTs will be a part yeah. of it. Metaverse will be a part of it. Um, but it's just a, you know, fundamental, like huge evolution of the way that people use, that people communicate and the, pe- the way that people use um, what we see as the internet today.
0: You know, one of the main things that got me excited personally about Web3 is the ability of, of owning, okay? And this layer of what this gentleman, Jesse Walden, uh, coins as the ownership economy How tokenized assets allow people to basically be co-owners of the products and platforms that they use, right? And if you look at like the traditional sense of like Web 2, Web 2.5, where people are the products of the platform, right? Versus the owners of the platform, like they're starting to be in Web 3. Yeah. Do you think that's going to be like a a point of hesitation, a point of friction when brands start to kind of understand like, wait a minute, the people that we've been selling to and trying to provide products and services for... Now they need to co-own the things that we provide them value for. Do you think that will resonate well? Do you think there'll be some friction with that? And I only bring that up because it's such a core primitive to like crypto. It's such a core primitive to web three as a whole. It's such a core primitive to NFTs, right? Buying into an artist, let's say from an art point of view and, 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 and following them not only on their timeline, right? On their social timeline, but also having co-ownership in their assets and the things that they produce. Do you think that's going to translate well in the, in the corporate world, for example?
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it's a, it's a relevant comment and there are some products, some really successful um, NFT projects where you do co-own, but there's some where you don't like, you don't have the IP rights to a crypto punk like Larva right. Labs does, you know, um, I think there are cases where what you're saying is definitely true, but there are also cases where it isn't. Um, I think that co-ownership, I think it's more of a participation. Um, okay. And of course it's, it, it, it's important for brands to be thoughtful about the way that they're entering the space Um, do so in in the right way. Um, But, but branding is fundamentally like that's a, just a consumer behavior, right? Like the reason that people are going to pay 40 ETH for a bored ape is because that's the new hot brand. That's the Nike of, of uh, the profile pick world. So I still think a lot of the um, principles that that drove that built value for brands in, in consumer packaged goods, as an example, you see that exact same consumer trend happening in the world of, of NFTs already. So I think brands just have to be smart around the way that they think about their IP and the value that they can bring to users. Um, because you know, you, if you're into gaming, you're, you're with this space, atom. you know, wearables, people are spending more for a Gucci virtual bag than they are for a real bag. So crazy.
0: it's crazy <laughs> um, you know, I think that,
1: that that like ownership, um, there's a way to, to create value for both parties, which I think would be always our goal, right? Like, do I think that Gucci is going to be licensing their IP to, um, and they're not a client of ours, so I have no idea, but I right. don't think licensing their IP to every person who buys an NFT, but I think they would be limiting the number of pieces that they create to create rarity and scarcity and value, um, which would then appreciate. And and that still is valuable to the holders of that. Um, But I, you know, maybe some brands will be smart and and very, very forward thinking and and license out some of their IP, but a lot of them are also multi-billion dollar companies and they have very, you know, even like their own IP structures are set up in a crazy complicated way, a right. global company where certain, you know, subsidiaries own certain things. Um, so I, it'll be interesting to see how that happens, but I don't think that like joint ownership of brand IP is a necessary requirement for, for brands to enter the space successfully.
0: Yeah. Interesting. You know, you're seeing a lot of the ownership model kind of take place with DeFi protocols people owning governance tokens and voting on the future direction of a decentralized organization, right? Obviously you're seeing also artists issue their own art NFTs and merely just like buying that, that, that piece of IP for the sake of buying it like they would buy any art piece, right? It'll own the artist rather than just a buy to enjoy, you know, buy to collect, buy to flip kind of thing. So there's definitely multiple worlds and web three has yet to be defined what it is exactly. Right. All we're seeing that it, it has to do with like the next evolution of where digital is going. Okay. I want to jump into more of like the Vayner side of things even yeah. more. Okay. Uh what are you guys most excited about at Vayner NFT? Like what what what's getting you guys going?
1: Well, what we're excited about this afternoon is uh, you know, the demo that the Twitter engineer put up. We thought that was pretty right. fun. Um and you know i'm excited to see what other social platforms do to follow um i think what we're most excited about is the fact that it's super day one and you know people are like oh you miss, we missed the boat on this and that it's like the boat the boat hasn't even like it's not even in the water we're <laughs> still anything.
0: like getting loaded
1: like <laughs> yeah. we're literally still like building the boat like don't worry you didn't miss anything um because it's so super early and that makes us excited because we can can test a lot of things. And some of the things we do have been slam dunks and some haven't and that's okay. And, you know, we get better every day and we learn, we learn what's resonating and what's also resonated a few months ago, doesn't resonate anymore. You know, we have to stay sharp on these things. And I'm, I'm excited. And my team is excited around the potential that NFT um, like provides both for celebrities, for brands, for IP owners, for new IP Um, there are just so many different things that you can do as part of the smart contract. And we're excited how early we are and how much there still is to figure out, um, because it gives us a lot to do and a lot to think about. Um, and yeah, we love following the news. We've got, you know, just this awesome squad of people who are super into the NFT space and really genuinely care about the community and, and how to get NFTs in the hands of more people. And the reason I bring up sort of the, the Twitter, um, demo of, you know, they were doing like a demo showing uh, how you could verify your profile picture and that that was your own avatar, which is pretty cool, is because it's not just going to be Twitter. It's going to be Instagram. It's going to be TikTok. It's going to be like other social platforms will follow. Like Mm -hmm. Mark Zuckerberg has been very open about his designs on building the metaverse, whatever that means. Um, I think that right now um, there's such a relatively small group of like, like, you know, people flipping on OpenSea. It's, you know, 200,000 or is the, like the latest estimate for sort of active. Players. And we know there's 10 million MetaMask faults, which is great. still a very, very, very small number. Um, We're excited for that number to be set of 200,000, 200 million, and then 2 billion. Yeah. You know, there's yeah, just so much, yeah. so much more to go. And we want to get NFTs, spread NFTs to the world.
0: Yeah. So who are the ideal-like customers you you see rallying into the NFT side that come to help? Is it big corporations? Is it individual internet personalities? Is it celebrities? Like who's coming to you right now?
1: A lot of people are coming to us. Um, I think our sweet spot and where we can probably drive the most value is helping current IP um, holders, whether they are athletes, mainstream celebrities, influencers, people of interest, um, creators, helping them understand, uh, or of course, brands, helping them understand the world of NFTs today, and then what might make sense for them on how to launch a program. Like, you know, what we did with Gary's was one example, but what we did with Nastia, who's the, you know, most followed YouTuber in the world, even though she's seven years old, was a completely different program that was like designed for her fans. And you know, if you look at the artificial project that was designed for high-end art collectors versus what, you know, we did for the US Open, which was designed for tennis fans. Like there isn't really a one size fits all approach. Um, and, you know, I think that helping to sort of, uh, helping IP owners na- understand the space and then navigate it is is really our role. Um, but primarily like enterprise folks, I think um, we're, we're okay. sort of brought up best to help, um, enterprise folks. And and because we have had a lot of um, demand, we're kind of prioritizing those who've been in the Vayner network, like friends of Vayner um, are getting first first dibs on us since we are still a small team, still only about 30 yeah. people. So we have to yeah. prioritize where where we feel we can really make an impact.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So from all these people that are coming to you, let's say you're focusing first on the Vayner family. Okay. What are like some of the biggest, I guess, questions and or misconceptions that they have jumping into the space?
1: Yes. Questions are, where do we start? Um, they'll hear about what an NFT is and say, oh my God, we have to call call v- Gary and the Vader guys. We have to do something with them. Um, and then, you know, I think misconceptions are people don't understand the amount of work and thought that it takes to really strategically launch an NFT program. Just because you're a celebrity and you have, you know, 50 million followers doesn't mean we can do an NFT launch next week. That's yeah. going to um, because yeah. I, you know, the reason BeFriends has been so successful is I, if you look at, I mean, you can look at the floor on June or anywhere, like if that has built over time, that wasn't something that was was a super successful, like a super hot initial drop. Yes, the initial drop was solid, but the value is really created on the back end um, and, and on secondary, even though it's only been a few months. Um, so I think that's a misconception is if you're a big big name or someone, you know, household name, that this will be a success. There's plenty of celebrity and brand NFTs drops that have been a total flop. And we are are trying to help um, advise at least friends of Vayner, even if they don't do it with us, we can be friendly and, and help them think about the space in the right way because um, the thing about the blockchain, the beauty and the curse of the blockchain is everyone can see it. Everybody knows. So yeah. It's important to be really thoughtful around it and make sure that your first, um, your first impression uh, is strong because it does matter.
0: Yeah, but how do you teach that thoughtfulness when it's so like it's so easy to fall short to all the cash grabs that are happening and the scams that are happening that are like setting a bitter taste a little bit? You know, obviously there's a big picture here, this big opportunity. How do you guys find yourself like educating these people to say that this is a long term play? Like Gary makes it explicitly, vividly known that. This is a 45-year. What what's his number that he throws out there? 49, 39 year plan. You know what I mean? Like, how do you how do you communicate that same feeling, that same emotion, that same level of long-term mindedness to these corporations or celebrities or brands that are trying to issue NFTs?
1: Yeah, transparently. I show examples. I show, like, hey, yeah. this how this worked, this is how this worked, this is how this worked. These are like 10 successes across categories, across music, sports, art you know, whatever. And then we show some, some not successes and you're like, Hey, like actually these, um, the same week that Coca-Cola dropped an NFT and sold it for 600 grand, another very, very, very well-known American brand dropped a can of tea that sold for $600. So there's like a huge spectrum, right? And you can see the difference, um, and, and the thought that needs to go into it in order for it to hit. Um, because I think particularly on the celeb side, they'll just feel like, Hey, I'm doing an NFT. I'm going to, I want to get $20 million from this. It's like in order to get $20 million, you have to really invest in like educate your community. And these yeah. are all parts that we need to go to. And I mean, there's a lot of operationalization that goes into launching an NFT. If you are like uh, an established company, because there's no, your consumer regulation, there's anti-money laundering. Um, there is, you know, potentially needing the ability to pay in credit card versus cryptocurrency. There is um, the requirements. If you're actually holding a wallet Um, who's holding that, who's holding the keys. Yeah, Yeah, there's real thought that needs to go into that. And I think um, that's also another thing that we spend a lot of time doing is is building the right operational infrastructure for some of these projects to be successful in 45 years. So I think um, with Gary's project, it's a little bit, you know, we're not a publicly traded company. It's not the same level of scrutiny. Um, And yeah, we have a little bit more flexibility than, than some of our partners who are much, much bigger international entities that Um, you know, of course, require a lot of diligence behind every partner they're working with. Um, And there's, unfortunately, some nefarious stuff that that does happen. And we want to make sure they're super, super clear of that, because there are kind of some real risks.
0: For sure. For sure. I want to jump into, because you guys work with, uh, you're increasingly working with more of like the mainstream crowd that's trying to transition into this new crypto cool kids club, you know, um, when do you imagine we're going to see like the majority of Fortune 500 companies either holding an NFT, issuing an NFT or holding some type of like uh, crypto asset on their balance sheet?
1: Maybe five years.
0: Yeah. OK. Why, think- why, why five years? Because some people like they people like to put things in like five to 10 years, you know, <laughs> time frame. Why are you leaning more on the five year spectrum?
1: I think that it will be, there will need to be some, um, like maybe one or two players that drive a big shift in consumers. If consumers are there, companies will get there. Like if this becomes a thing that a lot of consumers that matters to them, then the companies will have to support it. Um, And you do see some companies taking cryptocurrency already. Um, It's just a, a space where there isn't a lot of precedent when it comes to like law. And I mean, you probably know too, taxation, it's not very clear right now. Um, So when when councils and and legal teams are doing due diligence, it's hard to have a very clear direction of like this. It's not black and white necessarily. Um, And I think consumer adoption will need to drive it to a point where then there is clear sort of legal guidance and um, companies can be set up to do this. I definitely think they will like 100 percent. Um, and then it'll like, you know, start like little by little, um, the same way like companies started their social media pages or their websites. Like it starts a little by little, then, then they start selling e-com and you know, now it's a super normal thing, but even, even 10 years ago, it wasn't.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I I can't wait till corporations and big brands and like the Nikes of the world, start realizing the potential of opening and issuing token gated communities, right? So once they have their assets in place, right, and then they're creating micro communities or, or macro communities around these assets and the people that invested into whatever it is they sold, you know. And and I I think down the line, like we see obviously, like we we saw at least like shifts in how people use social media, whether it was from Instagram to Snapchat to TikTok, and now these new digital assets are are proving to be interesting ways to to not only foster, but create new communities and introduce new people into your brand. And they're doing that by having token-gated discords, right? And issuing proposals and having their consumers or their, their customers vote on things for the brand, you know, and having a more of an active voice. And I forgot where I read this, but there was some stat and you probably know way better than I do. So please correct me if I'm wrong, but brands are after, are increasingly after by having like a direct to consumer experience. and really like capitalizing on that intimate level of relationship that they can form. And I think NFTs are the medium and the primitive to do that. Would you agree? Would you disagree? How do you feel about that?
1: I couldn't agree more with you. Um, So direct to consumer just to give like a little context to the people who, who might be listening. There are a number of um, sort of, I think in the last five years, there's been a big shift to brands going more directly to consumer. But if you think about it um, in the past, like say you were buying a mattress, you would go to like the mattress store and you would try out many different brands and then you would buy it from the mattress store. Or if you're buying you know, a bag of Halloween candy, you got it from the grocery store and um, you were you know, buying many different things and, and paying the grocery store. So if you think about it, if you were actually a mattress brand or a Halloween candy brand, you weren't actually in direct communication with your consumer. That transaction happened through like a a sort of intermediary, which would be the mattress store or the grocery store. And then um, that that started to to break down, right? Um, You see a lot of direct to consumer everything, whether it's a vitamin brand or a skincare brand or, you know, some of the... Uh, th- those types of brands started this revolution where, hey, you can save 40%, you can save that grocery store margin or you can save that um, mattress store margin and get better pricing and also learn way more about your consumers directly if you have that relationship with them. So this then sparked a, a kind of mass movement for not just niche brands, but like bigger corporations to not only sell through retailers, but to sell directly to consumers um, where they could often you know, have a better understanding of what their consumers wanted and blah, blah, blah um and consumers have a better experience because then oh your mattress ripped you can go directly back to the people who made it not to some intermediary so uh that was a really cool thing and nfts that's like the perfect place to not just have that relationship but have it in an authenticated way that's like transparent and um and sort of provable that you have uh purchased this on the blockchain you could everyone get it um, and I think loyalty uh, programs that are powered by NFTs are certainly going to become way more mainstream. Because, like loyalty things, like I remember I was like in the Britney Spears fan club and I was like ten, right? Um, <laughs> and, like I would get like, CDs and, like find posters in mail, and like that behavior isn't new. It's a behavior that's existed forever. But now you can authenticate that with NFTs um, mm-hmm. and have that. Instead of shipping posters, you can say, Hey, download this link or join this virtual concert or whatever, and, and have that token gated. Um, which is such a smarter way to do it um so i think you'll same way with like you know loyalty programs like savings cards or whatever like you can do all of that through nfts um and because everything is going to be powered by smart contracts it's just so much more scalable and efficient
0: it's almost as if like if you're already talking about britney spears which part of me wants to film an entire episode Mm -hmm. of understanding like your your fan Mm -hmm. love for britney Spears, (laughs) but All these like big media uh, music publishers and and record record labels that manage all these artists, you know, I think it's going to get to a point where they need to start waking up and realize there's a level of fandom that comes from NFTs. And I was able to buy a Juice World NFT while he was still on SoundCloud and prove that I was a Juice World fan before he became Juice World, and develop that level of fandom, right? That provability and, and showcasing my love for something. That's the equivalent of you buying a Britney Spears poster, but now you're able to prove it right? Beyond hard, but- it just like crippling, beyond it just like getting old and the color fading, that lives immutably on a shared ledger, on a shared internet network uh, that's literally taken over the world, right? And I think like more of these like utility-driven use cases are things that brands are going to wake up to, brands are going to wake up to. And I think there's reasons why we saw it kind of develop on the individual uh, artist level with like really, really talented, talented graphic designers. And now we're seeing that shift into like the music scene, and artists tokenizing their albums, and issuing shares of their songs to fundraise for EPs. And I'm kind of curious, like, where is it gonna go next? And how are brands gonna like take that and hold it by the, the, the neck, for example, you know, and like make the lead and make the noise around that. Um, do, you, do you have any thoughts around that?
1: Yeah, so I think the first thing that brands need to shift into doing is instead of one off drops, which is what you see a lot of today, it's like, hey, one of one drop, like we're just doing this as a campaign. I think it starts with like fundamentally launching an NFT program, which is designed for long term success. And like, you can use the atom bombs as a reference, because it's probably like the first brand who's done something It's part of the hundreds, which is a streetwear brand. To me, they're the first actual like brand who is launching a full on program you've seen a lot of flirting dabbling but this is like an actual you know committed program and you'll you can see it on their their site you get access to like the t-shirt you actually do have ownership of like if the you know your bomb is put on a piece of merchandise you actually get a commercial rev share of that and and some cool stuff um that's a little bit more in that line i think you'll see a lot of that of dropping an initial nft program um that's kind of the key that can can give you access to different things and brands have access to a lot of cool shit like they sponsor leagues they get free tickets they have um, celebrity endorsement partnerships they have new flavors that they launch and i think a lot of that they can tie up in the value of the nft and um yeah. the same way that you know you might be a huge fan of juice world some people are a huge fan of bud light you know people love it and yeah. um you know, yeah. if that's a way for you to reward your community and give your like OG, give your like your people like first in on stuff, um, you know, I, I've worked for brands for my whole career and like people line up, like, you know, they sleep outside like in the wet storms Dude, for an iPhone. The Apple,
0: like, yeah. not exactly, you know, like we're, yeah. yeah.
1: People do that for iPhones and like everybody knows that people like wait outside for Black Friday sales like in the sleet. People, you know, um, line up around the block when like, we're launching new flavors for different um for different brands. So I feel like that it's like awesome. If you have the token, then you get first access, which is already a huge value, and then you can get special perks like when we have extra blah blah blah. Or you know we can can create so much value on the back end. It's so much more beyond just the primary sale. And I think that's yeah. what you'll see brands do is realize that we have like hey, you want to have Leo Messi do a private chat with you like that's something we could give to a holder you know if, if a brand is sponsoring him yeah. there's a million and one ways we can create value for our holders.
0: Yeah like think about that in 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 uh function like let's say I don't know let's say Budweiser were, were to do a collab with uh with Messi okay and only certain like the top one percent of Budweiser NFT holders would get access to this secret group chat that would unlock that only them and Messi could join and then they would be in that group chat and then that channel would close and they'd be back into the big, the bigger sense of the Discord server, you know, like unlocking perks and utility and levels of access based off your, your level of membership and your level of, I guess, uh, stake in the community is definitely something that I'm excited to see brands roll out. And it's almost as if these NFTs, like there's layers to this, they, they peel like an onion. And I think many right. people are gonna be experiencing NFTs as a top level funnel of getting people just to have a, like a membership badge, right? A level of loyalty level of rewards that then kind of funnels them down into more purchasing layers and upselling them within the ecosystem you know and we're seeing this we're gonna see this like i saw this prevail primarily with like uh there's this guy his name is uh uh mad dog jones okay he did a really cool like nft drop and he was the first person i saw to to do this where he had one drop on nifty gateway and then he did a, a special drop just for his nft holders that only they could buy if they had these certain tokens in their wallet, they'd get access to it, you know? And it's almost like he was like funneling them in more and more and more and more and more. How do you think brands are going to be approaching that?
1: And you can look at what we did with Gary's project, um, which isn't necessarily a funnel. I mean, cause we sort of communicated that like at the outset, it was like, Hey, mm-hmm. do you want to buy a FaceTime frog or a core? Um, and obviously there's a price differential there, but there's an access differential as well. We, and we did like various ones, like some are courtside cat, which is like you can go to a game courtside with Gary, and some are hangout hawk, where you can be on a, a group hangout. Um, so I, I love the way you put that with the onion and the tiers, because um, I think we think about it a lot the same way. Like we know that not everyone's going to be able to pay for courtside cat, and even a V friend in general is a big investment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that that's probably the right way to think about it. We often think in three tiers it's like core, and then which is basically like, you know, maybe you get the collectible in some Mm -hmm. kind of group group level. Um, Then there's maybe the the rare, which would be like, you get some kind of access, you get some kind of like perk that's a little bit more rare and and unusual. And then of course there's like the ultra rares, the one of ones that are, you know, really incredible experiences that money can't buy kind of thing. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, how do you imagine the evolution of like creator to brand collaboration? forming over time with the adoption of these like digital assets. And just to add a little bit more to that, like, let's say from the point of view of creators, we're seeing a trend of them tokenizing themselves and launching their own creator coins, right. And building their own micro economies within their communities. You know, how do you imagine like brands kind of taking advantage of these like influencer circles or influencer communities and shilling their products into these micro groups?
1: Yeah. So I wouldn't say taking advantage. We never want to take advantage. We want to create. No, no, that's
0: value. not, that's not the right word. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's create mutual value. And and I'll just give you like one reference um, that, you know, we can speak to of like what Budweiser and Tom Sachs did is, you know, the Tom Sachs, like rocket factory projects, amazing, but it has like 10,000 followers, you know, you have, versus you have like Budweiser, which has like millions. So um, I think that the right collaborations come when it's a um, value to both parties And it's like, okay, great. Like you get a lot of distribution and you get a lot more reach and a a lot more awareness for your product at a more mainstream level if you do some kind of a collaboration. Um, And that one was natural because like the rocket literally said Budweiser on it. And that wasn't planned. It was just like something that happened and and kind of tied. Um, So I think that's like one example. And I think brands, the same way that, you know, we did, we've done like uh, Pepsi, like, okay, Pepsi with Peeps. Um, Yeah. That, you know, that was just like a fun thing. I think there's co-marketing works. It always has and always will. And when you're able to bring both creators together to co-create something cool, that's when it's the most valuable and fun. Um, And you get value for those existing communities. And I think the smart way to do it would be also like, great. So let's, you know, you should be giving giving a value to the existing token holders. That's like the joint thing. And then you can launch your own thing and maybe get some credibility in the space. I think that's a really smart and really strategic way um, for brands to enter the space and build that authentic connection and credibility rather than just like launching a cringy drop that, you know, sells for 0.2 ETH on OpenSea. Yeah.
0: You know, one thing that I, I kind of see, uh, like happening down the line is all these creator communities, um, that have their fan bases that are co-owners of the community itself, that have some form of voice in determining the path of that community, um, I think we're going to see buy-in from brands that they're going to buy into their tokens. They're going to buy and have a a heavy stake into their market caps, for example, and be core contributors in developing their communities. Right. And I think this is a really strategic play for brands who have a lot of money, but how can people do this? Like how can brands do this if they're like a startup, you know, and they're trying to tap into these micro economies and these micro communities, they're like they're niche, but powerful within themselves. You know, what do you think is a good approach?
1: I think it's almost easier if you're a startup because like you don't have uh you know to worry about being a publicly traded company and all the the shit that goes along with that um i think if you're a startup i would be thinking much more of like how can i make nfts part of my core business from the get-go um not like how can i retrofit my multi-hundred-year-old business to now include nfts i would think like great like I wouldn't even launch a loyalty program that wasn't based on NFTs. Like I'd be like, okay, awesome. My tickets are going to be based on NFTs. This is how I'm going to fundraise. This is how I'm going to have my loyalty program. And I think you, if you're forward thinking, you can embed NFTs into your business um, much more like proactively versus reactively. So it's an ex- incredibly exciting time for startups to think about NFTs and, and, you know, like set yourselves up to take crypto like immediately and set up um you know, collaborations with, with different, uh, NFT groups already. And there's so many cool things that you can do. Um, yeah. I would be super jazzed to, you know, be at a startup right now if I was passionate about NFTs. So you can really build that in, um, at the forefront versus trying to, to fit it into an old school model. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I want to I want to pivot for a minute and talk about this twenty five million dollar fund that you guys set up at Vayner NFT. Can you talk to me more about that? What What is that? What are those millions of dollars going to go towards? Are you guys investing in startups that are pushing the, the, the needle forward? Are you like, what, where is that? Where is that going towards?
1: Yeah. So um, that is actually outside of Vayner NFT. That is the Vayner Fund, um, which is an important clarification. Um, but I think that actually that that's provided us a lot of um, interesting uh, understanding of the market and uh, access. There's a guy called Phil Toronto who runs that fund for Gary. Um, but you know, like you said before, we kind of are a one stop shop. So sometimes people will be pitching me something. I'm like, hey, you guys should talk to, to the Vayner Fund or, or vice versa, right? Like they hear an interesting pitch or, or solution, and they're like, hey, you should talk to Vayner NFT because they might be able to use what you guys are building um, and partner with you. So, um I think that you know Gary is a very successful angel investor and there's no secret about that um, he likes to be in on things very early and help sort of shape the direction of it and I think um, you know through his investments Gary gets a really good sense of what works what doesn't um, he believes in, in investing in in founders that he thinks are, are game changers um, in an early stage and yeah I think it's uh you know 25 million in, in some uh, nft programs has um, Been quite exciting and and something that Gary will probably continue growing um, with Phil, but slightly outside of the Vayner NFT world.
0: Cool, I love to hear it. I'm excited for you guys. It's an exciting time to be in the space. I'm glad to see all the energy and and positive vibes coming and and reaping from your from your team and the success that you guys have had. I'm 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 here for it. You know, so uh, keep at it. Before I let you go, can you let us know where we can find you, where we can learn more if people wanted to do something with? Vayner NFT, where could they go? Give me the whole spiel. Awesome.
1: So I'm Avery Akinini, long last name, but uh, you can find me on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on Instagram, um, Discord, all the places. Uh, so that's me. And Vayner NFT is VaynerNFT.co. Um, you can find us on our website. Um, you can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Discord. You can find us on Instagram. Um, so, you know, reach us in whatever form of DM is convenient for you, email, all that. Um, We are, uh, yeah, happy to work with Explore New Partnerships, um, whether, you know, some of your listeners have an NFT program that they're looking to find people to work with, um, or brands or celebrities, we're happy to help. Um, And yeah, super excited to be on your podcast, Adam. I I love your stuff. I love what you guys are up to and uh, honored to be here and thanks all for taking the time to listen
0: you got it well we we'll, we'll should sure have you next time when uh, there's two billion people <laughs> using it or no we'll do it before but yeah thank you we'll so much we'll
1: do it before and after we'll be like yeah, hey this we'll is 20- 2026 <laughs> and you'll probably have like a, a big fancy production house by then out of but I'll, yeah. <laughs> I'll this moment
0: amazing thank you so much